0: Good morning, Morning. and let's begin with prayer. Father in Heaven, uh, thank you so much for your love. And as we uh, find ourselves in these uh, amazing and exciting times in human history, we desperately need your Spirit to guide us, enlighten us, to give us discernment and wisdom and, and capacity to make decisions in harmony with your kingdom and be a light to, in this world to free minds that are being, uh, that are being uh, entrapped in uh, systems and, and processes that are contrary to your kingdom. Just uh, guide us as we study today that we can be effective for your, your, your cause, we pray in your holy name. Amen. We are doing lesson number two in the in the quarterly Rest in Christ, and the title is Restless and Rebellious. And the memory verse is out of 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and it reads, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And as we've said many times in here before, We believe that scripture is the records of real historic people doing real historic events, but the selections of the specific historic people that got recorded in scripture were selected for a larger purpose than just giving a biography of people. They were selected because they reveal the plan of salvation being played out. Uh, They reveal God's principles are Satan's principles being played out, and sometimes many of these real people's lives uh, serve as an object lesson for the great controversy in the plan of salvation. And the title, Restless and Rebellious, in that context, the lesson for us. Does this title fit society today? Restless and Rebellious? Yes. Are there lessons from God's word about this period that we're going to look at that are example stuff, that give us warning about why restlessness and rebelliousness come and and how to protect ourselves? Synonyms for restlessness. Agitation. Agitation, excellent. That's the first one on my list. (laughs) Unsettled. Unsettled. Anxious. Disturbed. Nervous. Nervous. Troubled, uneasy, fretful, unpeaceful. These are all synonyms for restless. What causes such a state? What takes away our peace, incites anxiety, nervousness, fear, worry, agitation? Believe in a lie. Perfect love casts out? (laughs) All fear. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they ran and hid because they were? Afraid. Afraid. So anything that takes us away from God, out of harmony with God, out of harmony with God's laws that he built reality to operate on, anything that does that will make us restless. Anything that reconciles us to God, restores God's law on our hearts and minds, brings us back into harmony with his methods, brings us peace. It's that simple. So as we look at these lessons, we're going to look at lessons on how Satan uh, works to injure us, to incite restlessness and rebellion. So in Sunday's lesson, it points us to ancient Israel being restless in the wilderness. They are complaining, they they have been led out of Egypt, gone through the Red Sea, and they are complaining about the food. They are getting fed manna, and they're longing for the flesh pots of Egypt. What is the lesson? What is manna symbolic of? Heaven's food. Heaven's food. It's the bread of heaven. And Jesus said that he is the bread of heaven. Exactly right. So the manna is symbolic of Christ, who is the bread that has come down from heaven that we must partake of to nurture our souls. But they are longing for the flesh pots of Egypt. What are the fleshpots of Egypt symbolic of? No, it's not symbolic of slavery. The fleshpots of Egypt will enslave you. You will be enslaved if you, if you nurture yourself with them. But that is not the actual fleshpots. Yes. It is the lies of Satan that the
1: that,
0: carnal nature of craving
1: for... Well, Egypt is symbolic.
0: So it certainly can be lies. In Egypt is symbolic of godlessness. Godlessness, sin, sinful world. So the flesh pots of Egypt are, if if the manna represents the bread of heaven which nurtures our soul, then the flesh pots of Egypt is anything in the world that is not godly that people try to nurture their soul with. Whether it is wealth, Power, lies, entertainment, excitement, pleasures of the senses, toxic relationships, anything worldly that people try to fill their souls with other than God would be the flesh pots of Egypt. Something exciting, thrilling, more spice, more flavor. So what caused ancient Israel's restlessness? Hearts that preferred the world over Jesus. Is there a lesson for us today? And with this restless spirit, not finding themselves satisfied with the things of God, remaining hungry for the things of the world, what happened to ancient Israel? When they continued to complain, continued to moan, we don't want this heaven's food. We want Egypt's food. We want meat. God sent them quail for one repast. For one meal. Is that what he did? (laughs) Every meal, every day, for an entire month. Every meal, every day, for an entire month. Until it says it was coming out their nose and they were sick of it. That's the way it's described. They, They had quail so much that they got sick on it. He let them have what they preferred. Do we see a lesson for us in society today? God would prefer that we learn by studying the word and we internalize the word of God into our hearts and minds, nurturing our souls on scripture, and we learn of his methods and his word becomes a lamp to us, right? A light unto our feet. Now, this is what he prefers. But if we reject the word of God, we won't learn directly from him. We won't follow his instructions. We prefer to go our own way. What will he do? do he will let us go. And do we see in society today this happening? That we're wandering in the wilderness, filling ourselves, and I'm even talking about people that would identify as Christian, on the meat of this world, filling our minds with television programming coming out of a very God-filled Hollywood? (laughs) Think that through, folks. Do you think the people who make most of the programming in Hollywood, there are the exceptional programs intentionally done by Christian organizations trying to treat godly principles, but the vast majority, do do you think it's just random, or is there an agenda behind it? filling our minds with television success is getting more wealth more fame more clicks on our site more followers on social media uh remember we're we're filling ourselves on the flesh of this world on the flesh pots of egypt uh we believe god's law works like human law and we can get justice by imposing more rules getting the right judges getting the right presidents the right senators we can we can make society great again if we can simply pass the right laws and force people to do it our way Public schools are just as good as Christian schools. Let's give our kids a public education. Church, filling itself in the flesh pots of Egypt. There's no objective reality, no objective truth. Your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Marriage isn't a man and a woman. Transgendered women are not really uh men, they're they're women and they should be able to compete in female sports and and if you love people, you don't speak things that they that that, that they could interpret as offensive. And if you love people, you surrender your freedoms in in order to do what makes them feel safe. How many read my blog this week? If you didn't, I encourage you to read it. It's entitled How COVID Messaging Perverts Love and how people take this idea, if you love me, you'll do this so I can feel safe. It's quite corrupt. And just like Israel, we are a society and a church sick and suffering. And in Monday's lesson, the next lesson we learn is Israel's journey through Canaan as they don't want the bread of heaven. They want the flesh pots of Egypt. God gives it to them, they get sick of it. And then the next thing we learn in the lesson, numbers 12 verse 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Two problems are highlighted here. Challenging God's messenger or leadership or leader and racism. When we take our eyes off God, when we prefer the methods of the world, when we become, we become prideful, we don't accept God's truth, and therefore we don't accept God's leaders who are speaking the truth. We have to get rid of them, deplot for them, silence them. We can't, we can't tolerate that. We become jealous. We must divide and conquer. And thus we use tactics that divide society based on arbitrary, meaningless, Elements like the color of somebody's skin. In society today, are we still teaching that the United States was established on the principles of liberty and justice for all on inalienable rights given to us by our creator God And that the government was established purposely to restrain the powers from encroaching upon God-given rights to you. We restrain the government, we restrain the church, we restrain the aristocracies, the big businesses that, that would encroach upon us so that we can exercise our liberties to become most godly people, highest developed people. Is this what we're still teaching? In the U.S., when we teach those principles, it grows stronger. People unite under these principles, despite their differences. Under these principles, we became the United States of America. Consider trying to, just to and understand the lie that so many people believe today. That somehow America is a racist country. Try going to any other country in the world today. And I'm going to throw you some examples. Just think this through with me. This is called evidence-based thinking. This is called critical reasoning. This is this is not listening to a, a, a monologue or a diatribe. This is not listening to a proclamation or a claim. Think this through. Go to Mexico, Guatemala, Russia, China, Japan. Any of these countries, as an immigrant... Try to become a citizen. Try to run for a governmental office and change their laws. Will you be accepted as a Russian, as, a, as someone from China, Japanese, Mexican, or will you always be considered a foreigner? Why? Because you are. Because those cultures are based on race. America was founded on principles of liberty and equality for all. And when an immigrant comes here, becomes a citizen, and they run for office, if they hold the principles, they're integrated. They're united. We see them as American. They're American. Understand what's happening is to destroy unity, to cause division. It's anti christian it's anti-godly where did the core values come from that were utilized to create the founding documents of this country where do those values come from the protestant reformation the bible was put into the hands of the people where they could read it for themselves again and as they studied the scripture the protestant reformers came to recognize the principles of liberty Liberty of conscience, liberty of person, liberty of, of of civil discourse, of speech. They came to recognize these principles and they threw off the controlling aristocracies of the old European powers. And they established a new government that was designed to protect these principles. And the Constitution was written. But what has happened in America since In the last decade or so, since the principles and values of black lives matter, critical race theory, 1619 project, wokeism, the lie of equity, as these things have come forward, what has happened to the principles of liberty and justice for all and freedom in this country? Have we become more united or are we becoming tribal? Division arises. They try to recast our American history under the lie that the government was built on exploitation and abuse and slavery. This is a lie. Understand reality. The United States did not originate de novo. The people who formed the United States were among colonies that were established by the European powers. The the settlers here were part of a European historic system of oppression of many peoples. The ruling class exploiting the serfs, indentured servanthood, chattel slavery, this all came out of the imperial overlords of the old European powers. The Protestant Reformation fled those principles. And eventually came to realize the principles of liberty and the inalienable rights of all people and wrote those into the Constitution and broke off from those forms of government to establish a new government of liberty. What's happening today with this, this, this critical race theory and stuff, it is trying to recast history into a lie. So that you will no longer look at the American flag and see liberty and justice for all. We're all created equal and inalienable rights under, under heaven by God. No, no, America is a system of slavery and corruption, and it's a lie. And so, we're taking lessons from what Miriam and Aaron tried to do. They tried to divide based on race, tried to undermine leadership based on a racial attack. You married an Ethiopian woman. And how did God deal with their attack on leadership and racism struck Miriam with leprosy. Leprosy is a symbol of sin. And what leprosy does is it destroys the pain fibers. So that when you would touch a hot stove, you don't get pain. When you touch a hot stove, the pain causes you to pull back very quickly, so you get very little injury. But without the pain fibers, you keep your hand there until you smell the flesh burning and you lose your fingertips. And this is how leprosy People lose so much of their body because they don't have the pain anymore. Desensitize. That's what sin does. That's what racism does. When you live in a society where people are less than you because of the color of their skin, they're evil because of the color of their skin, your conscience gets seared if you believe that garbage. Your character gets warped. Martin Luther King Jr. had it right that it is not about the color of the skin. It's about the quality of the character. And when Christ comes, there are not different religious groups, the Protestants and the Catholics or the Christians and the Jews or 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 the blacks and the whites. There are the sheep and the goats, the righteous and the unrighteous. It's about character. The evil we see in society today does not come from white society. Now listen carefully. It does not come from black society. It does not come from Hispanic society. It comes from evil leaders who use race as an issue to divide, and they are inspired by their father, the devil, just like the leaders who crucified Christ 2,000 years ago. God striking Miriam with leprosy was to be a lesson that should have taught the people to trust God and to trust the leadership of Moses. Our own national history of slavery and the exploitation of people based on race should have taught us the folly and the foolishness and the destructiveness of dividing people based on race. But instead, people are just as slow to learn today as the Israelites were back then. And today, millions are buying into the lies of racism as reparations, Racism is defund the police. Racism is hiring quotas for businesses and admission to schools. Racism is aid to farmers based on color. Racism is white privilege and white race rage. This perversity of Black Lives Matters, critical race theory and wokeism has metastasized into all forms of identity politics designed to destroy character, uh, destroy individual application, hard work, and godliness in society. So we have now profiling in our society based on gender, sexual orientation, and race. And all the while, the people doing this claim it is white people who are the evil ones. Understand reality. These attacks on what the critical race theorists and BLM proponents call whiteism is an attack on Protestant Christianity on the principles of the Bible. America was founded on the principles found in Scripture. It is a direct outgrowth of the Protestant Reformation, of the liberties that were uh, ensconced in God's Word, on the rule of life found in biblical principles. Those Those people who founded our Constitution on these principles just happen to come from European background and happen to be fairly monolithic in their race. But if the African people had been the ones to recover the Bible first, they would have been the ones to establish a society on biblical principles. It isn't about race at all. It is about the principles found in God's word. But Satan doesn't want people focusing on those principles. Instead, he takes a side note, unrelated fact, the color of the people's skin who made up the new government, and makes people focus on that as if that is the problem. The liars and dividers in society try to recast history into a lie to destroy the principles of Christianity, liberty and justice for all, and thereby tear down The unity that sets America apart from all of their nations. Just open your eyes and look what happens. Again, outcome-based, evidence-based, reality-based. God is the God of reality. You cannot get health while violating the laws of health. And so when God's principles are broken, injury, decay, always results. Look at the municipalities where these diverse, these divisive principles of critical race theory are put into practice. Just look, open your eyes and see. You will see in every single instance a decreasing value of human life, crime soaring, murder rates rising, homelessness soaring, education falling, the development of godlessness with self-control plummeting in every case. These are not the principles of God. And if you're a Christian, you can't support them. It destroys minds, hearts, characters, families, and society. Yes? I didn't realize until my later years that Irish were slaves as well, and they cost less than a black person to buy. And then we had Chinese, we had Asians who were slaves or treated as slaves. And yet, none of those populations have gone this route, even though they were part of building up America too, in slave labor. So, and it's not just America. And one of my blogs, sometime ago, you go back to my website, I can't remember the title of which blog it was, but I point out that in every government in human history, there have been slaves the egyptians had slaves the romans had slaves the norse people had slaves they called them thralls the um uh, it, it was common when you went to war and you conquered people the african tribes held slaves of each other's tribes this is uh, the the american indians the american indian tribes held slaves this was a common practice in human history And this idea that only America was... No, understand the real reality. Only America wrote a constitution that was designed to bring slavery to an end and bring equality to all people. Because it was based on Christian principles. So, next lesson, we turn to Tuesday's lesson. The Israelites don't learn their lessons, and they return to their distrust in God and listen to Korah and his group. And what did they do? So let's recap. Let me recap where we're at. As we get to Korah. So we can see the the again, the real historic people, also object lessons. The children of Israel are symbolic of the people of God. They're God's chosen people. They were slaves in Egypt. The people of God are slaves in the world of sin. God sent a deliverer to lead them out of Egypt. God sent Jesus to lead us out of sin. The Israelites were led through the Red Sea. We are led through baptism. The Israelites uh, are being led to the promised land. We are being led to the heavenly promised land. On the way to the promised land, God feeds them manna to nurture, strengthen, and repair them for the promised land. On the way to heaven, God is feeding us the bread of heaven, Jesus, the word of God, to nurture and strengthen and repair us. The Israelites rebel over the manna. They want something with more spice, better flavor. Uh, they don't like the, the plain truths of God's word, this, uh, excuse me, uh, of what the manna was. And Christians have rejected the plain truths of God's word, the bread of heaven, and chosen the meat of Egypt, the methods of the world, imperial law, rule over, coercion. And the world goes into the dark ages. God let Israel, Israelites have the meat until it was coming out of their noses. And God let the church have the methods of the world. Imperialism, power over, made up rules until the church went into the dark ages and the people were sick of the authoritarian methods of the world. And they turned back to the bread of heaven, the Bible. And they translated into the language of the people and enlightenment came. Then the people fled to a new land and established a new form of government to restrict the powers that imposed themselves upon the liberties of the people. And the Reformation continued. And the people were preparing to enter heavenly Canaan, the promised land. In the desert, on the way to the promised land, God not only gave them the Israelites manna, but, he, but before the Ten Commandments were given at Sinai, he gives a double portion of manna on Friday and Sabbath to rest. God gave them his weekly Sabbath on the way to the promised land. Uh, as the Reformer, Reformation continued, Bible-studying Christians led by Baptist preacher William Miller became convicted of the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation that we were approaching the second coming. We're about to go into the promised land. And other Christians, believing they were indeed on the way to the new heaven and new earth, recovered the Sabbath truth and began resting on the Sabbath Christ and began teaching Christ soon return. But in ancient Israel, God's messenger and leader, Moses, was challenged for his authority, and they objected to him marrying the Ethiopian Kushite woman. Christianity is divided by racism. We are not united as one in Christ. And even as the Seventh-day Adventist Church officially formed in 1863, advancing both the second coming of Christ and the Seventh-day Sabbath, the Civil War is underway to end slavery. Slavery ends very shortly thereafter, but the Christian, and the Christian world's opportunity to unite. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It remains divided. Different churches, different conferences based on race, treating people different, Jim Crow, so forth. But God intervened, and Miriam is struck with leprosy. And she, but, but after she's struck with leprosy, she's healed. The United States, the land of the free, the place where, uh, people who are, Ingesting the bread of heaven, study the word of God, and no longer, are, no longer embracing the doctrines of men. The southern slaveholding states are devastated by the Civil War, and the northern states suffer the loss of hundreds of thousands of their sons. But the states recover, race relations improve, equality for all people written in the original documents is advancing. We eventually have a black president. Race relations are absolutely improving in America until the last few years where the race baiters and race haters again are advancing the agenda of racial division. As ancient Israel is on the border of the promised land, about to enter, the spies bring back a report. Ten discouraging. We can't do it. They're too strong. It's, it's, it's beyond us. Two encouraging. Yes, with the Lord we can we can win. And at this point... Korah, Dathan, Abiram, their rebellion occurs. Korah and his cohorts challenge God's messenger, God's leadership. And in the progression of the Reformation, preparing to meet Christ, the SDA church sees itself in the line of the great reformers, just continuing on the advancing Reformation to prepare to meet Jesus. And in 1888, a message comes through Jones and Wagner, endorsed by E.G. White, But the leadership challenges this message, just like Korah challenges Moses. And they reject the message and send E.G. White to Australia. And the church has been wandering in the wilderness since. Now, from Ellen White, I've got a couple of quotes we're going to unpack here about the events of Korah's rebellion on the edge of entering the promised land, and see if we can drive any lessons for where we are today, both as a church and as a civil society. This is out of From Eternity Past, starting on page 277. Korah, the leading spirit in this movement and cousin of Moses, was a man of ability and influence. He had become dissatisfied with his position and aspired to the dignity of the priesthood. For some time, Korah had been secretly opposing the authority of Moses and Aaron, though he had not ventured upon open rebellion. He finally conceived the bold design of overthrowing both the civil and religious authority. Dathan and Abiram, two princes, readily joined in his ambitious ambitious schemes and determined to divide with Korah the honors of the priesthood. Do we find people of ability, both in the church and civil government today, who are interested only in themselves, who are working against the principles of God, and who will work to divide the church or society in order to get more power for themselves? Do we see that happening today? Yes. You notice Korah is not interested in the good of the people. He's interested in advancing himself. Do you have discernment to see? There are people in this world that that constantly put out an agenda, but it only really works to advance them. That's the goal. Continue on with the quote. You replace Korah with Lucifer and Moses with Christ, and then you have, you've got the great controversy. Right? That, it is, absolutely. The feeling among the people favored... Korah, in the bitterness of their disappointment, their former doubts, jealousy, and hatred returned, and again their complaints were directed against their patient leader. They forgot that they were under divine guidance, that the presence of Christ went before them, and that from him Moses received directions. Do we find segments of society who feel life isn't fair? That they've been victimized, that things are against them, that the system isn't just. Do we find the knowledge of God has been rejected by many in society? Are people are people who are rejecting the uh, rejecting God and God led beliefs? Are they are they led uh, by these other people too easily into destructive paths? And those who believe the lies, they're easily manipulated and exploited. Did Korah's leadership lead Israel to a better outcome? What about the leaders of BLM, wokeism, and critical race theory? Is society improving? Or are the very ones these leaders claim to be helping experience the most terrible devastation of their lives and communities as these woke leaders get more power? notice there's always power for them while they hurt the ones they're there to help continue on the quote unwilling to die in the wilderness they were ready to believe that it was not god but moses that had pronounced their doom although the marks of god's displeasure at their perverseness were still before them they did not take the lesson to heart unwilling to believe that God and God's designs and principles have any bearing or outcome on society today, people instead blame race and white people and claim that uh, that that we can have a utopia, a utopia of equity. We can have it, but we'll never have that unless we replace the system of hard work, the system of meritocracy the, with identity, equity, It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter that you work 12-hour days. You work two jobs to go to school at night. You study hard and make grades. It's not fair that you then get a degree and get a job and make more money than the person who decided to to, uh, stay high on drugs through their 20s. That's not fair. So we must tear down the flag, the symbol of liberty and justice for all. We must rename the schools. We must tear down the statues of great men who advanced the principles of Protestantism, and the principles of liberty. We can't, it can't be that God's design for families has any bearing on success. No, it must be something else. But what does the data actually show? From the Institutes for Family Studies, this is what the data shows. Black children from two-parent homes consistently do better than white children from single-parent homes. 36% of young black women from intact families have graduated from college, compared to 28% of young white women from single-parent homes. 14% of black men from intact families have been incarcerated, compared to 18% of young white men from single-family homes. 13% of black children in intact families are poor compared to 33% of white children in single-parent homes. Is it racism keeping blacks in poverty? Or is it the rejection of the manna, the heavenly bread, the word of God, the principles of God, God's design for families, and replacing fathers with Uncle Sam? No, no, we must not accept the data. We must not accept the truth. It can't be breaking God's design for families at work. It must be institutional racism. It can't be that policies proclaimed to help have actually decimated black families, and it is the destruction of the family unit that negatively impacts all people, regardless of skin color. The data shows black or white or Hispanic people have greater success in life when the families are intact and when God's principles are practiced. But we can't acknowledge biblical principles, so let's call it institutional racism. Let's not acknowledge biblical principles. Let's not turn people back to God. Let's not educate them on godly principles. Instead, let's teach them that there is no God and that the system is rigged against people because of color and that the only way to fix this so-called institutional racism is for the government to make laws mandating racism by making preferences based on race. So we will have quotas on admissions to schools uh, not based on ability, achievement, or hard work, but based on race. And anyone who questions the new racism must be called a racist. If you question it, you're a racist. And just like Israel, we continue wandering in the wilderness Restless and rebellious. Continue with the quote. He who reads the secrets of all hearts had given his people warning and instruction as might have enabled them to escape the deception of these designing men. Think, God has given instruction. There is no, anybody who reads his word will not be taken in by these leaders in society today peddling this evil, divisive lie. But if you're not grounded in scripture, if you've grown up in the world, if you've gone to public school systems, there is no God, we just evolved from slime on our way to the next evolutionary chain, then you have no defense against these liars. They had seen the judgments of God on Miriam because of her jealousy and complaining against Moses. The Lord had declared with him, will I speak mouth to mouth? Wherefore then, uh, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? These instructions were not intended for Aaron and Miriam only, but for all Israel. We should have learned the folly of racism from slavery and Jim Crow. But we haven't, and leftism is bent on repeating it, and anyone who questions it is labeled a racist. Korah and his fellow conspirators were were of the number who went up with Moses to the mount and beheld the divine glory. But a temptation slighted first, had been harbored until their minds were controlled by Satan. They first whispered their discontent to one another, and then, then to leading men of then to the leading men of Israel. At last they really believed themselves actuated by the zeal of God. Those who advance the principles contrary to God's design law, contrary to God's methods, both in the church and in the civil government, will have their minds controlled by Satan and will come to believe that they are doing right, even working for God, while they implement Satan's methods. Imperialism, the use of power over others, coercion of conscience, taking away of liberties. They will advance an agenda of lies, deceit, manipulation, censoring, deplatforming, arbitrary division by race. For they are not following the Spirit of God, for in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, we are all united by the Spirit of God. Our human biological differences are irrelevant. It's character that matters. Methods and principles practiced that matter. Continue with the quote, they were successful in alienating 250 princes. With these influential supporters, they felt confident of greatly improving upon the administration of Moses and Aaron. These liars in the church and in our society today are successful in gar- garnering a wide variety of leaders and and, uh, and community leaders who will support them and claiming that they will improve upon God's design for things. I'll continue with the quote, Jealousy had given rise to envy and envy to rebellion, and they deceived themselves and one another into thinking that Moses and Aaron had themselves assumed the position they held that these leaders had exalted themselves in taking the priesthood and government. Korah and his associates enlisted the support of the congregation. The charge that the murmurings of the people had brought the wrath of God was declared a mistake. They said that the congregation were not at fault since they desired nothing more than their rights. But Moses was an overbearing ruler. He had reproved the people as sinners when they were, when they were a holy people. And this is the key. These perverse leaders in church and society are jealous of those who are successful and they play off the petty jealousies of others uh, in order to gain support for themselves. They tell the people, the problem is not their own lack of self-discipline. It's not their own failure to apply themselves. It's not the, 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 that they live out of harmony with God's design laws. No, that's not the problem. The problem is bad leadership. It, it, the problem is, is the people who, who uh, make up the rules. If we, if we, it, who, those who tell you that you must work harder, that call you to account for sin and crime. That, that, that stuff that would want to put somebody in jail for, for murdering or stabbing or raping or pillaging, that stuff's called whiteism. That's racist. It must be rejected. We can only really be free if we defund the police, have no borders, open the prisons to violent criminals, while we imprison people who refuse to close their businesses for an arbitrary edict or who speak out against this new new utopia that we're creating. We must burn the flag. We must tear down the institutes of justice. It isn't the fault of the people. It's the fault of institutional racism. Continuing with the quote, Chorus hearers thought they saw clearly that their troubles might have been prevented if Moses had pursued a different course. Their exclusion from Canaan was in consequence of the mismanagement of Moses and Aaron. If Korah would be their leader and uh, and encourage them by dwelling upon the good deeds instead of reproving their sins, they would have a very prosperous journey. Instead of wandering in the wilderness, they would proceed directly to the promised land. If only we had the right leaders to give us the right racial profiling preference laws that prefer the people of color, uh, if we only had taxes to pay reparations, if we only had equity where everybody gets the same outcome um, by a rule of law, not by hard work, if only we had this we could have a just society we could live in utopia all our troubles would be over we would be in the promised land it's all a lie only god's methods god's design laws function to heal and bring true unity health and happiness and then from the same author out of a manuscript release third manuscript release, page 191 still talking about this is now talking specifically about 1888. and What happened in the Adventist Church? I'll just read it, and we'll we'll talk about it. This uh, author, Ellen White, when I propose, per, me, when I purposed to leave Minneapolis, the angel of the Lord stood by me and said, "The angel of the Lord here you will find um, is Christ." This is Christ communicating. At least his author is claiming that Christ spoke to her. And gave her this message. So the words I'm going to read next are, are according to this author from Christ, and we know they're from Christ because this person speaking in the first person claims the people as his people, and that he is being rejected, and that he is the source of grace. So we we'll would continue on with the quote. When I when I purposed to leave, the angel of the Lord stood by me and said, "Not so. God has a work for you to do in this place. The people are acting over or reenacting the rebellion of Korah." dathan and abiram i have placed you in your proper position which those who are not in the light will not acknowledge they will not heed your testimony what was ellen white advancing at 1888 that she was about to leave he said no you can't go she was advancing the healing view that we teach in this class the righteousness by faith message advanced by Jones and Wagner. That by faith we become the righteousness of God. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. That we actually get rebuilt in heart, mind, and character to be like Christ. This is the message. Healing of hearts and minds. It was the fulfillment of the day of atonement metaphor. The purifying of the bride to meet the groom. Uh, it was the at one the cleansing of the sanctuary message. But church leadership rejected this healing view and chose instead to embrace the false imperial imposed human law view that says we're declared to be righteous even though we remain unrighteous. They rejected the manna and chose the flesh pots of Egypt. This is according to the angel of the Lord, like Korah, saying, we can't succeed in going to the promised land. They're too big for us. They'll, they'll ruin us. We can't succeed in having righteousness by faith. We'll always keep sinning. We'll never have victory on this side of it. You can only be declared righteous even though you're not. God can never give us the power to be victorious over sins in our lives. Don't even think that. Just accept the legal payment and the declaration in heaven while you continue in your sin. Continue with the quote. But I will be with you. My grace and power shall sustain you. It is not you they are despising, but the messengers and message I send to my people. Friends have come and reason around the circle. When you are told that you're not welcome, that the message that you want to share in your Bible study, in your church, about the God of love that we teach, the healing message that we share... Recognize it's not you they're rejecting. It's Christ they're rejecting. Continue with the quote. They have shown contempt for the word of the Lord. Satan has blinded their eyes and perverted their judgment. And unless every soul shall repent of their sin, this unsanctified independence that is doing insult to the Spirit of God, they will walk in darkness. I will remove the candlestick out of his place, except they repent and be converted, that I should heal them. They have obscured their spiritual eyesight. What does this mean? By refusing the truth of God's design law, by holding to Rome's imperial law, lie, they have blinded themselves on how reality works and live in a fantasy of confusion, a contradiction of, of uh, competing thoughts. God is a God of love, and he only wants your love. But if you don't love him, he'll be forced to torture you and kill you. But he really loves you. Constant contradictions and fantasy that mirror the sinful world with a God who is a source of inflicted pain, suffering, and death, which they call justice. And if they persist in teaching this, they will become blind and incapable of seeing the truth, leading others, and incapable of leading others into the promised land. And the SDA church has been wandering in the wilderness for 130 years since then. I'm going to pause before I go into the the next portion see if there's any questions. Have I upset anybody? (laughs) Understand we find ourselves, folks. This is a spiritual battle. It's a battle for your mind and your heart and your discernment. Yes. It seems to some of us so obvious that Satan may take the heart's and minds of some of the leadership to do what seems so obviously wrong. But how, what do you do? I mean, uh, we believe what you're saying, but how do you pass this message on to those who are controlled like that? So present the truth in love and we leave free. We always practice that truth destroys lies. Love overcomes selfishness, but only in the hearts of those who value truth and value love. Um, Jesus himself said that don't cast your pearls before swine. There are people out there that do not want the truth. They don't want it. it there are many, there are millions out there who are hungering and thirsting for it, and they're being fed all these distortions and falsehoods and lies, and they will welcome it if it can be presented in a way that makes sense to them. But there are many, many, there are many out there that have closed their mind to truth. They don't want it. They get angry. When it's presented. And so you have to have some level of discernment, uh, in touch with the Holy Spirit. Is this, a, is this the time and place that, you remember Jesus at this, at the trial? He loved those people at the Sanhedrin. He loved them, but he remained silent. Think it. He is the source of all truth. He could have given word. He could have given, text. he could have preached at them. Did he? They weren't open. They were, he started to talk to Pilate briefly when Pilate seemed to have a little interest, but then Pilate shut down. What is truth? Who can know truth? And Jesus didn't speak to him anymore. And so there's a lesson there. Not everybody's open. As long as they are, then we want to share it as effectively as we can, which requires that we experience it and know it. Know it not just conceptually, but we understand it and how it functions in reality. Great question. So regarding what's happening in America today, how do you see this through the biblical worldview? Well, if you haven't read my blog, King, uh, King of the North versus King of the South... And today's end time events, I encourage you, it's on our website. Go and read the blog. It takes you through the prophecy of Daniel 11. And in a big high overview, uh, Daniel 11, the king of the south, is symbolized by Egypt. Egypt, remember Pharaoh, who is God that I should know him? Egypt is symbolic of those powers and forces of godlessness, atheism, humanism, earth worship, communism. The king of the north is symbolized by both Babylon and Rome, and if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar is convinced of Daniel's God and, and, and immediately makes a law to punish anybody who says bad things about Daniel's God. And Rome practiced the same methods, claiming the God of heaven, but using the power of coercion. So Babylon and Rome represent in, uh, religious imperialism, claiming a belief in the true greater God, but then using the systems and methods of the world to coerce and force their moral agenda on others, like the Dark Ages church. The final movements in this long prophecy going back and forth through these different powers, the final movements of this long prophecy is the king of the south attacks the king of the north, and the king of the north storms out against and destroys the king of the south, taking his power and wealth. Are we seeing today, are we seeing today right now, the final attack of the king of the south before the king of the north destroys him? yes. What power on earth, a king remember the king of the south represents godlessness, atheism, humanism, secularism, communism. Uh, so just walk through some things with me and, and you can consider them. What power on earth today is a power built built on godlessness that actively denies God, oppresses free religion, obstructs Bibles and Bible schools and Bible teachings in their in their domain? Oh, yeah. Communism. What power on earth today is one of the most racist countries in history and has committed all kinds of crimes against people of other races and people who continue to believe in God. What power on earth today has done gain-of-function research on a coronavirus to make it easier to affect humans. What power on earth today released a bioengineered coronavirus with gain-of-function abilities to more easily infect humans into the human population and then disappeared the local doctors who tried to warn the world and then stopped in-country travel from their people to ground zero, and people at ground zero from traveling anywhere else in their country, while they left international travel open to and from ground zero. If you don't know, that's historical fact. And refused to let the CDC and other World Health Organizations in to investigate, and has continued to lie constantly about this. What Power on Earth today has its pundits in the media stir up racial conflict in the United States to divide and distract us from what's going on. What Power on Earth has used its influence over media and tech giants to prevent evidence that opposes the false narrative, to silence, to deplatform, platform to censor. What Power on Earth is one of the world's most worst polluters and continues to make more coal-burning power plants and exploits the planet worse than any other, while at the same time works through its operatives in the United States, the UN, and global media to get Western countries to ruin their economy with all types of so-called green energy solutions? What country benefits when the United States is fragmented and divided upon racial issues, suffering economically, and has higher energy prices? What power and all of its puppets and pundits are part of the king of the South Making an all-out attack on the King of the North, the principles of Protestantism, freedom and liberty, seeking instead a totalitarian system where everybody is dependent upon the state or the big corporations, which are also owned by their or run or influenced by the state, socialism and communism. What power is seeking this? Is this a push by the King of the South? A global push. If I'm right about Daniel's prophecy, then religious conservatives are going to reclaim power and crush the forces of the king of the north. But here's the key. Don't miss the key. God's people are in neither group. The beautiful land is in the middle, caught in the middle between the battles between the king of the north and the king of the south back and forth through history. Neither group, the religious imperialists, or the godless atheists represent God's people. They're caught in the middle. We must be vigilant to understand what's happening, but not take sides when both sides are Satan's side. In the lesson, um, and it points us to numbers, there's a couple of other points I want to get in the lesson. We only have a few minutes left, but I want to get a couple of these points out. Points us to numbers 14, eleven and 12, where God threatens to destroy the people of Israel and start over with Moses and Moses family, and uh, Moses intercedes with God. Wednesday's lesson. In the second paragraph, it says, this is the moment when we can see the true man of God, Moses' Moses answer, frozen in time, anticipates the intercessor who more than 1400 years later would pray for his disciples in their affliction. Indeed, in what Moses did here, many theologians and Bible students have seen as an example of what Christ does for us. Their guilt our guilt is not even is not even questioned, and yet Moses pleads, saying, according to thy, the greatness of your mercy, please forgive these people, and just as the Lord did then because of Moses' intercession, thus he does for us, because Jesus because of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection and intercession for us, and just as the Lord did then because of Moses' intercession, so if it wasn't for Moses. God would have killed the people. Aren't we glad God had Moses there to talk him down? Yeah. That Moses had more patience, more love, more compassion, more self-control than God. We're sure blessed that Moses was there. If it wasn't for Moses interceding, God would have just lost it and killed them all. Is this the lesson they want us to learn from this? This is what many teach. Many believe it. It's it, it's, it's It's what you get when you have an imperial punishing God. But let's reason through this for a moment. Do we believe God has foreknowledge or not? Then was God surprised when Moses? pleaded as he did did god say oh my sure didn't expect moses to care this much i was positive moses would be glad to get rid of these rebellious and irritating people well if i had thought moses would plead as he is i certainly would have never brought it up um because uh i sure hope the people don't think that uh that he loves them more than i do yeah now i look like an idiot in front of the angels now i look like an idiot in front of the angels yeah it's like (laughs) is this what we think Boy, he he hadn't thought of that one. Boy, didn't see that coming. Or did God know exactly how Moses was going to respond? Did he know or not know? Yes, he knew. And then if he knew Moses responded, did he already know how he was going to respond to Moses? Yes. And if he already knew what Moses was going to do, and already he was going to do, then was he ever going to wipe the people out? No. He was never going to wipe the people out. But the all looking universes might not have known how Moses was going to respond. Ah, so now we're getting into it. Can angels read hearts and minds? No. 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 If they could, none of them would have been deceived by the loser in the first place. And so God, it, Moses is a friend of God. Remember at age 40, he murders an overseer. Protect self, run away, watch out for me. This is the core of sin, selfishness. But God says, look, angels, I know you can't, but my methods work. They might have been discouraged seeing the constant rebellion. All God's doing, these people keep rebelling, keep rebelling. They might be, what's, what's the point? These methods don't work. Sure they do. I'll show you. I'll show you. Watch this. Hey, Moses, I'm going to wipe out and start with you. And what's Moses do? No. Take my name out of the book. It wasn't just put me to sleep and resurrect me like you did later. It was, I'm willing to give up my eternal life for these people. And, and God looks to the universe and says, see, look at Moses. He murdered 40 years ago, but having walked with me and worked with me, his heart has been changed. He is now trustworthy. The law of love has been restored in his heart. My methods work, but they take time. This is really what was going on. And you can't get there if you continue to operate through this imperial law lie of rules and rule enforcement. Guys, we're living in critical times. We're living in really crisis times here on earth. And God needs his people to give him glory to make the right judgment about him and how he runs his universe, to give the final message to in the world. This is our opportunity. There are people out there, they know something's wrong in the stuff that's coming down the, the media pipeline. And they need people to stand up and show them the truth, show them how love really works, show them what truth looks like, show them what reality is based on, what God's design laws are, how they work and function. Yeah. This is our time. Are we going to step up and and, and fulfill the role that God has, has called us to fulfill? I, I pray that we will. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of knowing the truth about your your kingdom, your character, your methods, your principles. We ask for the empowering of your spirit to, to free our hearts and minds from fear. Give us the courage and the wisdom to know when to stand and when to speak, but to but to be able to stand and speak the truth in the most loving and redeeming way possible, to set hearts and minds free, that you might come soon. We pray in your holy name. Amen.